Take two. We're back now. Peace, love, and meat podcast because that's where everything is now. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool, and I was probably going to go into a long-winded rant, but I'm just glad that <laughs> things are uh, that things are working again. You know, as far as the peace, love, and meat thing, um, I had a real clear vision of it, like I said, and then as the world kind of lost its shit for a while, I didn't. I didn't want to just add arbitrary noise, so I just kind of chilled yeah. with it, and that's one of the things I talked to you about. And then, you know, some of the help on the back end uh, with organization and stuff that you're good at, and we've talked about it enough. But I'm just glad that it's going. I'm glad that we're putting the journal prompts out, um, yeah. putting some training videos back up. You're going to be well. You're added to the page, so you'll be posting some stuff individually too. And I think, you know, the cool thing or the the hope that I have is that it becomes so synonymous with the two of us over time that, you know, it, people can capture an idea of who wrote what, even yeah. if it's not about us. Right. But, um, then I also want the same effect where it's like, I can't tell who wrote it. You yeah. know, I, I want clear distinctions and I want uh, continuity. So for sure. And what I think it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Just on the, just on the grounds, excuse me, of some of the messages that have rolled through of like, glad you brought it back. Glad you're doing yeah. this stuff. It really helped before. So, that's the whole goal. Just help people share good information. Try not to be an asshole. Try not to yeah. waste people's time Seriously. or mine or yours. <laughs> Seriously. And what's cool is the, uh, like we've had so many conversations in the last handful of weeks, couple of months, really, since it kind of started coming to fruition a little bit more that was, that we were going to bring it back. And, uh, we have like there's no shortage of things that we want to do with it, which is cool. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, and I, and I know this is how it is for myself too. It kind of gets to the point where we have so much stuff that we know will be cool and stuff that we want to do. It's like, okay, well we got to start doing something and and start. And that's why we started with the journal prompts. Cause that's something that everybody that follows the page has always, I think really connected with a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's, and, and even when I had nothing to do with the page, that was something that because you and I had talked about it so much on different podcasts I, and I've talked about it in a lot of shows and what I do with the coaching. That's a huge question I get all the time still just randomly. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know where to start. Like, can you just give me a prompt and I can write as a response to a question. And so that kind of seemed like it made the most sense to bring everything back with was these prompts. And then as mm-hmm. we get into the the training part, which we're going to start posting the training, and then we're going to have some other stuff that comes out over the next month or two and kind of some really cool things that we're excited about as far as like some merch stuff. And, you know, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff in the future, but that just seemed like it made the most sense to start with since that's kind of what a really big portion of the whole page is kind of built around. Yeah. Well, and I think too, it removes the aspect or responsibility of us providing the answer. Yeah. And like much like I led to today in the post, um, or maybe it was yesterday, but nevertheless, I don't ever dole out advice. Yeah. I just try to ask or think of better questions than yep. the person's asked themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, you know, you know, intimacies about your life that I don't know. And if you say, man, I, you know, I'm struggling with my job or my relationships in a poor place, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, shit, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, I could give you any number of things and I'm not going to be one of those guys. that's like, all right. And, and you just go through the list of cliches that you hear. Yeah. Like, I'm not that person. I don't know enough about you. Even if we're cl- like you and I are friends and I don't know enough about the things that you won't tell me yeah. to give you the, the direct advice that you need. So right. the journaling is a very, uh, 
I don't want to say safe approach, but it is a very honest approach that we can share mm. that then puts the emphasis on the person to run with it and fill in those blanks and understand themselves. Cause that's really in life. What is, what is an individual's life if they don't understand themselves, mm. you know, and yeah. that's a question that I have thought about. I still think about that. Like, what is my life if I don't truly understand myself to the point that I can stop myself when I need to stop myself, I can push myself when I need to go further. But I think there's a lot of people, you know, bills are paid house is 70 degrees, you know, there's ice in the freezer, there's meat in the fridge, all these kind of things that just kind of, all these kind of things that just, kind of, <laughs> man, I sound like an idiot. English um, major. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but there are just so many opportunities for us to check out yeah. and think that because these things are falling into place that I'm winning at life. I was winning at life and didn't even know a damn thing about myself. Couldn't even yeah. explain why I, I did certain things. So it's helped me. It helped Terrence. It's helped you. It's helped mm -hmm. your clients. It's helped clients of mine. So I think it's just, a you know, again, to ramble on forever about saying, I agree with you that, that this is probably one of the foundation blocks, if not the cornerstone yep. of, of my personal growth is journaling. Yep. So <clears throat> I think people look at it. It's not exciting. It's not lifting a weight. It's not doing something fancy. It's not edited to the 10th degree or whatever. It's just, this is an idea that yeah. you can answer. And if you choose to do so, do it well. Don't just cop out and say, yes, I do this or no, I don't like, why do I do it? Mm -hmm. How do I do it? When do I do it? You know, and that's, uh, that's the goal. Just give people perspective on themselves, remove the idea that they don't know what to do for a journal or workout or whatever, you know, just help people along, man. Cause that's, that's what you're doing with me. And that's what I'm trying to do with you. Exactly. Just pay it forward. Well, and the, the thing you mentioned about like the, the people don't know, it's not a thing, right? Like people always want, it's, there's nothing, there's no right way to do it. There's no right or wrong right. way to do it. And we are, we're, we're talking about the, this idea that, people struggle with things because they're like, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. There's no real metric way of measuring. Like I did this correctly. And mm -hmm. that I think is a barrier for a lot of people because they're like, well, if I can't do it right, I, how do I know it's even going to be worth it? You know? Right. And it's like, well, this is one of those rare examples where that really doesn't matter. Like as long as you start the process of getting your own junk out and, and thoughts out and kind of just brain dump everything. And I've, I mean, we've talked about a bunch, like that's oftentimes the easiest way for me to just start is literally just to like get my pen moving and saying nothing. Like literally I'll just like yeah. look around the room and just start writing the words of the things that I'm seeing just so mm -hmm. my hand starts moving. And then like my thoughts start generating and then I just kind of, it still means nothing. Like I could read three pages of stuff that I wrote, took me an hour and it's like, yeah. there's not one coherent thought in here, but I actually feel better because all yeah. of that, all that junk that's on that page used to be up in my head. Like, yeah. and, and it was making my thoughts where nothing made sense and it doesn't make sense on the page, but now there's space up in my head where I can actually mm -hmm. think about things. Well, I think that's a, it's a perfect way to put it <clears throat> because I, you know, I've talked about the way that my brain works and I've tried to understand and explain it to, you know, I had a professor named Dr. Smith in college. that was a psychology professor. I talked to him about it. My brain, like if I think of a memory, it actually plays me like a movie trailer of that yeah. time and place. So I don't see every little detail of the memory, but it's like, okay, I was at this place and I can see somebody moving in the background. I can remember what I had. I can remember what I wore. It's just the highlights. Yep. But then as that plays over, it's like there's concentric circles 
of conversations that were had or things that I saw. Mm. So my brain literally works like in concentric loops. And if you listen to me talk on the podcast, you'll see like a lot of times I'll start on one thing and bring in 10 other things, but get my way back around. That's a, it's kind of a gift and a curse idea, I guess. Yeah. But, um, a lot of times if I have, if I, you know, if I'm looking at a prompt and you know, I'm comfortable enough with myself and with my journal now that I can pretty much flow with anything. But on a day that I struggle or when I was really struggling to find my groove with it, I would just chronicle what time did I get up, you know, wake time, yeah. bedtime, what did I eat today? And you just start, like you said, just start getting the pen flowing with things that you cannot mess up. Yep. Like there's no, there's no way to fail unless you lie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, you know, we did a, actually in Dr. Smith's class, we did a psychology experiment or uh, I don't even know if you call it an experiment, but he just had us write, you know, for 15 minutes, the pen had to keep moving. And what a lot of us, you know, we're just writing gibberish. Like I was just writing the alphabet at first. And then it was the cat in the hat, the dog yeah. in the box, like whatever it was, just stupid shit. But like halfway through this process, somewhere I started writing things like coherent thoughts, coherent memories, coherent ideas. And that was because it's kind of like when you start an old clunker, you know, it takes yep. a little while to get the soot out yep. and then, you know, it purrs and it runs great. It's a lot how my brain works because like you've mentioned, there's so much stuff in there all the time that if I don't make sense of it or give order to it, yep. it just repeats over and over and yep. over. It's the same manic kind of thought over and over and over. Yep. But when I can start writing things down, and like, okay, that's really nonsense. Check. You don't have to think about it anymore. Okay. This is something that needs more attention. I think about it differently. You know, it's, it's just removing the idea of thinking the same. Yep. Whatever that means, think better, think differently, think clearer. So yeah, don't be afraid of the journal. Don't be afraid of the pen. It's not going to bite. It's not going to cut you unless yeah. you turn those pages too fast, you know? And we're not like writing prompts that are trying to trick you either. You know, like that's, no. I think it's not, it's not meant to be something where you have to sit and overanalyze something, but oftentimes it's just questions that maybe you haven't actually thought about how you deal with stuff before. Yeah. Like the one, the one from this week was just like when you, when you feel uh, any sort of failure or resistance in something that's happened, like what's the first thing that you usually do? And I know that like when people will read that, they're like, well, what is the first thing that I like, do I usually freak out or do I, <laughs> you know, like what? And that might be the first time they've ever thought about that. You know oh, what for I mean? Sure. Like, and yeah. that's kind of the point. It's not meant to like stump you and you have to come up with some like coherent answer to it, but it's actually just maybe to get you to think about it. And you're like, well, what's that thought in your head? Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, stop listening to these assholes that make you feel like you have to have like a, a moment of clarity every time you put pen to paper. Yeah. Like you don't, you're yeah. not going to have enlightenment. You're not going to have these ideas where it's just like, oh, now I know the secret <laughs> to making a million dollars. You know, it's like, it's just that same stupid shit. Like this is like going to the gym for your brain. Yeah. You are literally inching yourself closer day by day, prompt by prompt, entry by entry into something more. This is not now granted. I've had days where a consecutive buildup of themes has led to those type of feelings. Very, very seldom do people sit down, write a journal because the answers are already inside of you. Yep. You know what I mean? It's just clarifying and organizing yep. so that you can understand the world around you a little bit better. But I think people are looking good people, like people that I've had correspondence with through the messenger and things like that. 
They're like, I just don't feel like I'm saying anything. Yes, you are. If you're filling a page with words, you're saying something. Read through it. Like you said, most of it can be hogwash and gibberish, but there's going to be a sentence in there or there's going to be a phrase in there, something that makes you go a little deeper, think a little clearer. And I don't know. I just, I don't want to present this idea that if you don't immediately change your life because you started writing a journal that you're doing it wrong, right? You're doing it right. It's just like weight training. You cannot get super strong fast. You cannot undo 25 years or 30 years or 40 years of your bullshit in two weeks. It just doesn't happen. It takes time. Yep, exactly. So what about you making some changes on those lunges? Oh, dude. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that for a second because this is day four and I'm smoked. So I've done the lunge thing before, like the consecutive Mm -hmm. days, like try to keep a streak of lunges. And, uh, it started for me about maybe 10 years ago because I was following, I don't followed Corey Gregory since I was like 16 years old. Like he was one of Mm -hmm. the first kind of fitness guys that I, followed on on Twitter and then Snapchat when he was huge on Snapchat or whatever. And his whole demo was kind of like to teenage and college age kids. So I, like when I found him, it was like this, this is my dude, right? If you're in the supplement industry, that's who you want to talk to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no <laughs> so, money, but they spend every dollar they get, get huge. <laughs> and, uh, and so he started doing this thing about 10 years ago. And I think you got, you had told me once, you guys were close in time, but didn't, did you overlap when you were, when he was popping into West side at all? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's what I there thought. Was, it was around uh, that same time. It was right around the end of my stint there. I would say that his, his come up through West side came. Yeah. Well, no, that's not right. Cause I, I lifted at the 2010 pro-am wearing the muscle farm West side shirt, you know, oh, we okay. had a, kind of a team competition shirt. Made. Yeah. So that would have been on the, on the front end of my time there where gotcha. I think he was just like, Hey, I want to sponsor you guys. I want yep. to send you guys some product. And then as I was leaving, it was more like, okay, he was there. He was training some, he was kind yep. of collaborating with Louie, but you know, I, I never like was married to the products or anything like right. that. I just, I used some sample packs and things. Dude, those high school, seem- su- high school supplement central was muscle farm oh, stuff, yeah. dude. That was yeah. like, that was what, well, it went from like muscle tech in my era. Yeah. Like the nitro tech, yeah. uh, pump tech, all that stuff. Uh, cell tech. Cell tech. Um, that was the, that was the mid late nineties, early two thousands. Yep. Then you had the jacked oh. kind of craze. And then who would you say, kind of popped up after that muscle milk was big muscle that was milk big was big was that I put a lot of weight on my wasn't my belly. uh bsn was yeah bsn got big yep. um with ronnie when they went all the red labels yep yeah ronnie coleman and who was that kid out of georgia trey brewer do you remember that guy i do yes. yeah he was obese he was he was extremely obese yes and then he like like most obese people he yeah. had like 40 inch calves right you know what i mean right. <laughs> like I, I remember jason peg he was so funny he said the best uh the best calf program alive is being over 300 pounds <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point he said he said go to the, go to a grocery store and look in the frozen food section yep. you're gonna see the best calves ever <laughs> uh so, so so to bring it back to the lunges yeah, so he too. so cory started <laughs> cory started doing these uh 400 meters of lunges and he started doing mm-hmm. them every day and he'd post about it and so i've done it several times through and just done like either 30 days or i've done a streak i think my longest streak was like 80 something days in a row before i missed a day or something like that and it was more about like what your streak was 
in instilling like I'm going to do this really sucky thing every single day and mm -hmm. do it as long as I can, you know, and he has guys that have done it. I, I, he has guys that have done it for like six or seven straight years now, every single yeah. day. Like it's just unbelievable. Um, and I'll give it, I'll give it to him. And I think I've told you this before, as far as like hunt training, if you can't get out and like hike and like actually move around and gain elevation, walking lunges are better prep for that than any like stair stepper thing that I've ever done or like even just regular like the lunge because of that pattern being so similar to taking yeah. an uphill stride and the way you get yeah. that stretch. So it kind of came at a nice time that I'm going to start doing it this summer because Jared Myatt, mutual buddy of ours and uh, and George and uh, a couple other guys because I think Dobby started doing it recently too. Yeah, and, I think Moose was on it first. Yeah, they, like kind of yeah. there was that, that whole crew kind of started doing it again, and I'm like, ooh, nice. This is like a new crew of guys that have that are picking this up. And then Jared yeah. started doing it, and I just told him like, yeah, I was like, yeah, dude, we should do like 30 days, 400 every day. And he's like, I'm in. And he's like the easiest person in the world to convince to do some sort of athletic challenge. So it took me two seconds to get him on board. <laughs> and so we're on day four now, and uh, I actually mismanaged my time pretty poorly on day two and didn't give myself enough time to get them done. I was doing them in the evenings. And so mm -hmm. I ended up not doing them on Tuesday. So I told myself I needed to do 800 yesterday. Oof. And so I went and did 800 meters yesterday and total moving time. It was like 20 ish minutes, but with like some stops and so stuff like that it took me like 27 ish minutes to complete the whole thing. And the first week is just in so brutal. Like you could, you're, I'm always just grabbing things to walk by to make sure my legs don't give out. Like it's, yeah. it's, they're, they're kind of always, if I sit too long and I stand up, like I, I don't feel like I'm going to fall over, but it's, I always feel so good after about, it's like day six or day six or so. It's not even like a full yeah. week. Like you're still a little bit sore and you kind of live with that tinge of little soreness kind of forever. Mm -hmm. But once you actually start moving, you're totally fine. And, uh, what I've noticed when I do these bouts of like several weeks in a row of this high volume stuff, and I'll mix in 400 to 800. Sometimes I've done them with a weighted vest or, or something to that nature. It's the best that my back ever feels like. And I notice it when I'm not consistent with doing them as much. And even when I'm not doing like a 30 day in a row or whatever, I'll usually always do a long bout at least once a week, mm -hmm. you know, just cause I like that form of conditioning on myself. It feels good. It keeps like my knees and my hips feeling good, but my low back is always, is almost never feeling better or stronger than when I'm like really hammering lunges all the time. What do you think that's from? I mean, do you think it's a I think it's a lot of hips and glutes, honestly. Sure. Uh, like just bringing up some blood flow back into the upper part of my posterior chain on the backside. Mm -hmm. And especially because you can you can really manipulate that with how you take your strides, you know, because yeah. you can go like straight line stuff or when I'm really wanting to hammer glutes a little bit more, I'll just make wide steps and it kind of shortens yeah. them and I end up having to do more lunges to cover a 400. But taking that wider step approach just hammers that outside hip and upper glute part. And I think that contributes a lot to like it because it's not like it's an injury, but it's it's definitely a I feel less weak in yeah. parts of my low back when I'm just flooding that area with blood. And, and I think even just like connective tissue in my knees and stuff contributes to that as well. Like I just feel more stable. You know, yeah. and so it's it's more of like a, a total stability thing from hips all the way down is what I generally would notice. 
Do you think, uh, do you think there's any benefit? Are you doing 400 meters straight? Are you doing a hundred meters four times a day? I usually do 400 straight. I'll just go to the, the track at the high school is a mile from my house and I'll just start and do one lap and get out of there. Um, do you think there's a, do you think there's a, I mean, obviously there's a different response. Yeah. Do you think it would be harder? Cause I'm thinking about the Goggins challenge, the four by four for 48. 48 yeah. Um, and the thing about that is, uh, you know, it's like the brakes are what make it awful. Yeah. You know, cause it's like, I've done 50 mile yep. rucks. I've done 50 mile jogs, uh, that kind of thing. So it's like 48 miles is not, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say it's bad, right? but it's like, it's a lot. There are worse endurance things. To yeah. Do. Yeah. So, but when you add four miles every four hours for 48 hours and the way we did it was we would do the four miles in one hour okay. and then have you would think that you'd have three hours to rest. Right. You don't because you get that adrenaline dump. You yep. want to eat a little something. You want to rinse off or change your clothes. Next thing you know, it's like, well, shit, I got to start running again in 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, that's where it gets exhausting. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if it would be beneficial, if not every day, like maybe once or twice a week to throw in that split because it would just suck to, yeah. to like get that initial lactic acid, go inside, mm-hmm. do your shit and then go back out and get more lactic acid. Seriously. And that's what I've noticed. Like when I, when I started back up at the beginning of the week, I, you forget like the first, obviously the, the, the first day, like you can kind of cruise through it because the, it doesn't really get terrible until like you're in the last 20 meters or so of 400. And then like just even trying to get up, especially if you don't stop, like you said, like if you can just stay constantly moving through the whole thing, the first day really isn't that bad. Even if you've never done that kind of distance before, it's yeah. as soon as you stop, like literally when you hit that 400 and you start regularly walking on a normal gait, like it feels like you have like baby bird legs like oh, yeah. instantly. And then like for the next two days. So pushing around through that, through that acid and everything for the next couple of days. Like I actually feel, I felt better finishing the eight than I did finishing the, the first four of yesterday. Like yeah. the second 400, actually I felt way better than the first four. The first four, I was like struggle bus and I had to stop, catch my breath. And I was like, I, I told you that I was feeling like my legs were just going to give out at random times. But that mm-hmm. second four actually cleared a lot of that stuff out and felt pretty good. So I think there's something to like, just not stopping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, and that's kind of the point though, is this whole thing is, yeah, you're going to get crazy amounts of blood flow into your legs and you know, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome at the back end of it, but that's almost kind of secondary, especially during the first week, because the whole thing is this hurts and I'm hurting and mm-hmm. I have to do this today, you yeah. know? And it's more like, are you going to do it. And because you said, I told like four other people that I'm going to do this every day. So I have to do this every day. You know what I mean? (laughs) And now I've told however many people are listening to this, that this is what I'm doing every day. So it's like, I got to do it now. Well, I think, I think it would be kind of a cool thing that, that you and I could pose some challenges to one another every month, just 30 days of this, like whether it's, you've got to drink a gallon of straight water before you have anything else. That's like you bad. can't have a coat, can't have a coffee, can't have anything. Yeah. You got to drink that gallon first or a specific exercise or yeah. whatever it is. But I think that'd be something cool that we should do mm-hmm. just from an accountability standpoint. I like that. And then, um, you know, it'd be 12 cycles of some crazy stuff throughout a year. It'd be pretty fun, I think. Well, and that was like, we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago. And I think it was from the episode that we just, I just posted at the beginning of the week. But we're talking about just like breaking things down and making things really simple. Mm-hmm. Like 
for training purposes anyways, you know, like the actual structure and having things written out that if you're trying to get to a certain goal, yes, that's what we both have done. Like we agree with that. I'm not saying that's not helpful, obviously, but I think there's a lot to be said of just go do 400, 400 meters of lunges and bang out a hundred pushups. And if you only did those two things, like every day you would be pretty like you would progress pretty far in that amount of time. Yeah. And it, and that thing is more about this is something so simple. I don't have to think about what it is I'm doing. Right. Like I can detach my mind almost a bit from it, but bring myself back into it while I'm going. I'm not overanalyzing like is my, is my technique off? Is my, you know, all these other things that kind of creep into your head while you're training. It's like, dude, all I got to do is like three movements and it's a ton of reps and then just get it over with. And then it's done. Yeah. And you can do that every day. Like we don't have to overthink this, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the aspects that I'm old school in that regard. I mean, obviously I was a coach. I broke down form. I broke down technique. Yeah. Um, And it is important. Yeah. But man, there are some guys that get so far into the fucking weeds on like a bicep curl or a tricep extension. Like they, they break these moves so far down. And my question is to these people, I'm looking at you, mm-hmm. right? And you're sitting here and part of your sales pitch or marketing pitch is to discount pro bodybuilders for their for their lack of range of motion or their lack right. of movement. Right. But you're the you're the physique guy, right? And I look at you and I would not want your physique. Yep. So if if and this dude that I'm particularly thinking of very open to TRT, very open to uh, what I would call use slash abuse admission, sure. like they've talked about it. So here's this person who is supposedly doing all of that, mm-hmm. probably at a level that would be comparable to many pros uh, as far as supplementation, uh, performance enhancement. Mm-hmm. You look like shit. Mm-hmm. Like if you're st- if if you've got this thing figured out, baby, let's look like something. Like yeah. like let's get on a stage. Yeah, and he looks good like good, mm-hmm. probably arguably better in shape than I am, which is fine. Yeah. But he does not look like someone I want to look like. Right. So the argument always comes back to me. Do we need to get so far into the weeds on this stuff so we can get this? Or do we just need to move more weight or we do we need to move more weight rapidly or yeah. whatever, whatever it is? I just get so sick of people that have no business worrying about this stuff. Yeah. Like just just go to the gym for six months and start training. Like yeah. get the first muscle and fitness magazine program that you see, do it to the best of your ability and you will improve. Now, can you get better? Sure. Can your technique improve? Sure. Knowledge base? Sure. But I don't think that going, especially in something like weightlifting where like this hyper, hyper focus on every little turn of the pinky and yep. elbow and this kind yep. of stuff. Watch Kaz train. Yeah. Watch Ronnie Coleman train. Yeah. Watch any pro bodybuilder train. Like most of those guys just get after it. And I think that was more of my style. So maybe that's why I'm inclined to say that stuff. But man, I just see people that have perfect form, zero intensity. Yeah, totally. You know? well, and that's what I think was so attractive to me about Terrence. For sure. Like he was like with the original 600 rep mm-hmm. protocol that he did. You know, it was like, there's, there's four movements, mix them and match them however you want, like put them in different ranges of circuits, put them in different, the variations of those movements. Like if it's a, if it's a row, it's a overhead press, it's Hindu pushups and squats, 
and it's yep. pull-ups. Like that's yeah. it. Like literally five movements. Go do those and get 600 accumulative reps in a workout. I don't care how you break them up. And that like you, you could, and I remember the one, I think I've told you before, like in the 2020 thing or the second workout was like 10 rounds. And one of the movements is 50 Hindu squats in that yeah. each round. So yeah. 500 and there's four other exercises I got to do 10 rounds of, but I have 500 yep. just Hindu squats yep. and then four other exercises. So it's, that one's literally like 800 rep total, yep. but it's just that I, I, the intensity part of it is you're, you're totally right because I've even found myself in years, in years previous falling into this trap where I, you know, and I think that's as a coach, we probably have phases like that where I'm Mm -hmm. trying to think of too much rather than just go hard. Like many, many things in our training and in your physique and in your health can be solved by just going harder sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, that doesn't mean like run yourself into the ground every day, but maybe for a month, that is what it means. Like you're just yeah. going to destroy yourself for a month. Like mm-hmm. see how it feels and see what happens because most people don't ever come close to, to that point in their training. Even when they think they're going hard, what they, what most people would consider is like a nine or a 10 is actually like a six or a seven on yeah, intensity. For sure. Unless they're in a group or they're with somebody that's pushing them to actually get to that nine or 10. Well, that was what we'd hear at Westside all the time. That's yeah. what we'd hear at Iron Mafia, Gorilla Squad, any of the gyms that I trained at was, fuck, you guys go hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do. There's a reason that we're strong. Um, you know, I would go to, I would visit powerlifting gyms for seminars. And I mean, you're looking at dudes that are not in shape. You're looking at guys that are super strong. And I mean, a 280 pound man working up through nine, 10 sets of squats should probably be sweating profusely. Yeah. And I would see tons and tons of times where guys weren't even breaking a sweat. Yep. You know, and it's like, I'm not really sure you're going that hard or your rest periods are an hour long, you right. know? And I think that's gotten even worse too in the modern era with the phones, you know, totally. you, you wait for your partner to do something or you're, you're training by yourself and you want some rest period. You get online and you're sitting there scrolling three or four minutes. It's like, that, that's why I like that 40 minute model. Yep. When I train, it's 30 to 40 minutes. I don't write down a rep or a set or anything. I literally, um, again, this is kind of the mode I'm in right now, but you know, I typically train Greg's protocol, which is extremely detailed, extremely focused. I like that, but I also need a few weeks away from that every so like uh, every cycle or so Mm -hmm. where I just go in and I, I free form it. I don't have any restrictions. I don't have any rules. I just know that for 30 to 40 minutes, I'm going to slug myself into the dirt. Yep. And then after that, like that rejuvenation period or that change, when I go back to Greg's system, it's like, oh, here comes the progress again. Yeah. You know, it just, you always have to keep adapting those little things forward. And it just, it, it coincides with my mood cycles. You know, sometimes I need yeah. that restrictive discipline and sometimes I just need to create. And at the end of the day though, both workouts are about 40 to 45 minutes of just hard effort. Yeah. So same process, different approach. So we've, we've talked about before, like the kind of coming back to home base in a lot of mm-hmm. ways when you're, when we're veering off track or we're kind of, or we're at the beginning of a place where we're trying to get dialed in for something else. When you are coming back into that mode, which of those two routes is usually like where you come back? Do you come back and you come to that place where I just need the grind time for 40 minutes? Or do you need like the really structured detailed thing when you're at that place to kind of start the streak again? 
Well, here's here's the way I, I kind of rationalized it in my head, okay? I'm like anybody. Um, you know, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy life. I want to do the things that make me feel good. Yeah. But, but it can't be all that, right? right? And Greg's program, you know, I want to I want to word this carefully so that it sounds like it's not that it doesn't make me feel good, right? It's that it is it is more of that discipline focused approach, and then after I get eight ten weeks into that, I need a week or two where I just go in and just play. Sure, you know that's that's it's like play training. I pick out exercises that I know I enjoy. I pick out things that are directly movement related to jujitsu. Two weeks of that. And it's like, I kind of get it out of my system. I feel really good. I feel refreshed. And then it's like, I got 10 weeks to put my head down and work and I get more of this later. Um, I didn't, I typically do progress better PR wise mm. on a disciplined program, but I see physique changes, uh, maybe a little quicker on the other. Mm. Um, okay. and I don't know why that is other than it's like Greg's system is making me stronger. Yeah. And I tend to go towards the conditioning side in my training. Yeah. Greg's stuff is very regimented, rest periods, you know, tempos, things like that. I think that elicits strength. When I go in there and it's like 40 minutes, I'm not trying to pick up progressively heavier weight. I'm just trying to move a weight over and over and over until I'm exhausted. So do you think that's volume related? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's what the volume and the pace is what gives me the conditioning for a couple of weeks. I improve there. And then it's like, let's get back in a strength cycle. And dude, it's working. Like I, I don't know the science of why I don't know the psychology of why, but 10 weeks on two weeks off, 10 weeks on two weeks off yep. four cycles a year. Yep. That's a pretty fucking solid cycle for me right yeah. now. Yeah. You know, so it, it gives me, uh, it gives me a chance to map my year some, you know, like I'm always willing to change. I'm always willing to new idea to look at new, new ideas, but that, more or less for the last year and a half or so, you know, since Terrence's passing has kind of been my model, 10 on, two off, 10 on, two off, the two weeks off being just creative play in the gym. That it, it's funny. Cause in some, in some ways I'm kind of, I'm kind of the opposite to a degree. Mm-hmm. Like if I feel that I'm drifting or I need to get dialed back in for something like in any of those, any of those scenarios in which I need to really kind of start from scratch and get honed in on training. Right. I do stuff like what I'm doing this week where mm-hmm. it's like, I, like we're not going to really structure too much. I need you to just go in and suffer for yeah. a couple of weeks and get back into the mind of, I just need to hurt a little bit at the beginning and grind yeah. through some stuff, you know? And then after those initial first few weeks or 30 days, if I'm doing something like this, it's like, then the, now we can sort of get specific about, what it is that I'm trying to shoot for. So like, Mm -hmm. it kind of, it kind of works in the reverse pattern for me where like, I need a few weeks of just no rules and kind of just crushing myself for a while. Yeah. And then, then, cause then I'll be in the, in the frame of mind where like, okay, I'm in train mode now. You know, like I've done, I've, I've done this pretty brutal thing for a few weeks and tons of volume, tons of, tons of intensity. It's like, now we can get dialed cause I'm feeling good again. You know? Yeah. Do you still, do you still enjoy the weight training? um, aspect of it? Or do you just, is that just your medium to train? I think that's probably just the medium. Like, I mean, like I don't not enjoy it. Yeah. So I'll say it like, I'll use a double negative and say it that way. I don't not, I don't not enjoy it. (laughs) There are things I enjoy more, right? Like if I can, and, and that's why I, and again, to bring it back to, to T, like that was what was so appealing to me was like, 
I didn't, I didn't have to. Yeah. Like I could just go in for like 40 minutes or whatever, absolutely destroy myself and be fine. And then like what's fun for me is, is testing what I've built. Yep. Right. So like if I've done something I haven't done forever, like I rarely, I don't even have them here at the house now. They're actually out of my uncle's. Like all my barbells and bumpers and everything aren't even here right now. And so like if I were to go and throw Oli shoes on and try and do some, some full like clean and jerks or something like I haven't done in a long time, I can really get into that for that session because like, this is fun. I haven't done this forever. Let's actually see if any of this stuff I've done translates and holds up well doing this. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, it was a few months ago. I went into Molly's, uh, my wife's CrossFit box with her because she trains out, she trains out of a CrossFit gym here. That's awesome. And has for five or six years now, but I go with her every once in a while. If it's a, it's, if it's a fun workout, I look like I want to do. And I, I can't remember if I sent you videos of it or not, but I was just doing cleans. It was like the first time I put on Oli shoes in mm. like two years. And I actually felt, I mean, weight wasn't that impressive. I mean, I think I, I, I squat cleaned or full clean for the Oli lifter vernacular people. I can't say squat clean. Right. Uh, I think I did 255 or 260, mm. like having not done one for two years, like, yeah. You know, I felt pretty good about that. Like it, it was kind of ugly because I haven't done any technique work in, a, in that amount of time also, but it was kind of nice to be going in and be like, look, I did all this stuff for two years that didn't have anything to do with this necessarily directly. Mm-hmm. And it was still fine. So like, it's fun for me to do stuff like that where like the day to day training is just kind of, it is that it's just that like I have, yeah. I'm kind of indifferent towards it in a lot of respects, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, I'm, I'm toying with the idea Cause I've gotten some mobility back in my left knee a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking, it sucks. Like it's, it's not good, <laughs> like, but from, I've gotten from some, here to here. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten two more millimeters yeah. of uh, improved range of motion. So <laughs> yeah. because of this, I'm probably going to blow my knee out again, but I did think about um, incorporating some, some conjugate mm. style training as an accessory. So mm. I've been doing a lot of, like I told you, uh, time sets and like I need to get this many reps in that many seconds or how many reps can I get in this many seconds or how long can I do reps for? Like those are kind of some variables that I play with for PRs. I thought about hooking up some bands uh, for on the the ox bar from Sornex. That's like legitimately, it's not just because it's a Sornex bar. It's just a really, really great apex bar. Uh, It kind of comes up to a point and the way it's designed is it removes spinal direct spinal pressure and it displaces the bar across the shoulder blades. Mm -hmm. So you don't get that spinal crush. It's uh, it's friendlier on the shoulders because it's angled down a little bit. So I've thought about trying to, so my body weight hovers around 225 right now. Yep. I thought about doing three week waves of 205, 225, 245. Against bands? uh, Against bands. So the first wave, so it's a 10 week wave. Yep. But the first wave is going to be 205 week one, 225 week two, 245 week three with a light band, yep. um, kind of like the, the medium band. Yep. Um, and then the next cycle, 205, 225, 245 with the medium band. And then the next cycle, 205, 225, 245 with the heavy band yeah. or the, the moderate and light band doubled up, however it right. is. And then the last week, uh, the 10th week, just express 
some sort of PR against the band. So yeah. it's not like a maximum crush. You're not actually but loading that much weight on your back. Well, let's go, let's say let's go yeah. 275 with uh, the moderate band on there and just see how many reps I can do before form fails. Right. And then now it's like, okay, 275 is not an intimidating number mm-hmm. to, to like build on. Yep. Do I stick with another 10 week cycle and look at what 275, the reps at the end of that, or is it now 295 at the yeah. end of that? You know, whatever it is, but that is way more of appeal to me as far as a strength progression approach than like, let's just slap it on there and see how strong we can get. Cause I don't, I don't need to squat five or 600 pounds. I can yeah. like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say gun to head. Could I do it right this second? 600 pounds specifically, but you know, I can get in the four hundreds and do three, four, five reps pretty solidly. So, you know, my deadlift is a little more consistent around the 500 plus range squat. Not so much. I would really, really like to be able to get where I could do two or three sets of four Oh five for five with yeah. 15 seconds rest between them. Something like that. Yeah. Just do it and go, do it and go, do it and go. And again, like you mentioned, it's not that you're not strong enough to do that. It's just, you're not conditioned on that implement to right. do it that, that way. So it's always going to be that got to give something to gain something, you totally. gain something, you're going to have to give something somewhere else, you know? So it's, it's, that's something that's kind of stern in my head a little bit. The one that I've really been digging lately, uh, maybe cause it's what, just what I have here right now. And I have access to like several gyms that I go to, but like for a lot of reasons, I just enjoy being here more, um, to train anyways, but like ultra heavy sandbag work. That's the shit, man. Like two, like literally stuff. like 200, 250 pound bags. Nope. Right. And having to pick it up from the floor and then bear hook style and do, you know, on a, on a 200 pound bag, I was, I think I was doing like, I don't know, you know, four to four to six ish reps, which on, which, which 200 pounds, like I'm a lot stronger than that on a barbell, yeah. you know? And, but holding that on your chest where it's mm-hmm. hard to breathe, you're pull, you're, it's like a, you can't really brace hard against it because it's pushing into your rib cage while you're hugging it tight so you don't drop it. Your yep. grip is failing. If I'm doing like a gable grip or the like hand over hand thing, like or I, I never, I, I'm so nervous when I see people do like the interlaced fingers oh, when yeah, they do dude, sandbag stuff. Like I'm like, your fingers are going to swell with blood and get stuck and you're going to break one of them. Like it's yeah, just going to sure. happen. So yeah. I always do like either the hand over the top on, the, on yep. the back of the palm or I'll just do like a gable grip. And then just like even, even three to five reps of that, I could do three sets of that and be wrecked because yeah. of how much demand that is just to get it from the ground up to that spot. Plus at that point, you're also doing way much, a, a lot more work just to get it up into the spot where now you can squat it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something that's cool with those heavy bags too. Uh, and again, I like that you're talking about like the overgrip or the gable grip. So it's it's like it's already in the wheelhouse of your thinking for wrestling. Yeah. So for me, I'm the same way. And one of the moves that I like, I like to get almost in a in a sumo stance and and zercher grip mm-hmm. a big heavy bag like 140, 150, mm-hmm. and let the and hold the short end and let the long end. I mean, oh, between your so legs, it look like a big fat dick coming yeah. to the ground. But anyway, let that hit the ground. And then shrug up over the shoulder down, shrug oh, up over the shoulder yeah. down, dude. And you're, you know, you're cupping 30, 40 pounds, right. but you're slinging that hundred pounds that's away from you. Right. And that's one of the things that the mace taught me, the fulcrum and where the head weight is 
makes everything more challenging. Right. So on that sandbag, I was doing the same kind of thing, but I was using the handles and just doing like a row into my chest or I was like kind of bulldogging it up over one shoulder and then down. Yep. By keeping that constant grip and having to use momentum to get that hundred pounds going, mm-hmm. dude, it's such a hip lever. Yeah. Like you want to talk about a glute hamstring right down to your gooch and asshole ripper. Yeah. Like that thing will get you going in a hurry. And it like, and it's the same thing, six to eight reps like that. And you're already in dream world. Like you're Seriously. already thinking this sucks. Yeah. Well, you got three or four more sets of it. You yeah. know, I, I don't know what muscle I'm working. I just know it's hard. All of them. <laughs> All yeah. of them. Exactly. What's the best exercise? The one that hurts everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That's just fun. Uh-huh. It, it gets the creative juices going. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be studied. I just know when I'm done, I'm dripping with sweat and yeah. it hurt. <laughs> and that's what I, I really like about, uh, Daniel Strauss. Dude, he's so awesome. He's awesome, dude. And, and a killer. And yeah. And his wrists are as wide as my knees, you know, like yeah. he's just thick through there. And I mean, his grip wall is like, we talked about it on our home gym build yeah. conversation, but like the, I, the, the grip implements is like, that's the coolest thing. I love that kind of stuff. I but, would like not, not to wrestle him, but just comparatively like yeah, grip strength to wrist size and things yeah. like that. Cause I'm, I'm eight and a quarter around my wrists. Okay. And like Richard Baggett, he makes the the turquoise and silver jewelry for me. Yep. And he was like, Hey, I got some standard issues that I'll just, <laughs> I'll send you one. I've got them here, dude. I couldn't even, they were, they were an inch and a quarter from even clasping. Really? So he was like, damn, where you are know, you, damn, where son. are you, uh, like ring size? Uh, so, <laughs> so at the biggest, I was a 15. Um, <laughs> and right now I'm a 13. Okay. Cause the, I was talking to, I was talking to Jesse Phillips. Yeah. And he's a mammoth of a human. Yeah. And uh he has, I think he said a 16. Yeah. And and his hands are because I had found a my my granddad, my mom's dad was big dude. Uh yeah. he's like six two, six three, and he was big. And then for a while when I was growing up, he was like obese big, like yeah. 350 plus pounds. And he ended up actually getting uh I can't remember if he got lap band or the other one, but lost a ton of weight and then was super healthy for a long time until he passed. But he had like 12 or 13, I think. And I found one of his rings at my parents' house and I put mine and it, I could sit it inside hit like yeah. my whole ring goes inside his ring. And then I took a picture and said that to Jesse and he goes, what size is that? And I go 13. He's like, yeah, I'm a 16. I'm like, whole. And so I'm like looking yeah. at it and it's like this big around. I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one thing. Like I do have like, fairly large hands and this is one of the coolest muscles like this muscle here in the palm you see that egg you see it yep (laughs) yeah (laughs) those are my great on the side of the knuckle right there yeah yeah but um you know probably one of the coolest compliments i ever got not an all-out like tested grip strength but pops you know commented Mm. on some of the grip stuff i did and he you know when i picked up the it was a 179 and a 146 ish anvil at the same time like one in each hand yeah pop said that might be the most impressive thing that he'd seen there because one it was two yeah uh, two anvils but he said he'd never seen the 179 off the ground since i put it there oh wow so that was that was a big dick moment for me um but my great grandfather so he's he sounds a lot like your grandfather he was Mm -hmm. six three six four he was a carpenter 
Um, I always called him Yosemite Sam because at 6'3 or 6'4, he wore 30-inch jeans in length. <laughs> so he was like Yosemite Sam. He had like a four-and-a-half-foot back and two foot of legs. But, um, you know, the craziest thing about that son of a gun, he wore a 21. Oh, a wow. 21 size ring. And the only, Good. the only ring that I've seen, I'm sure there are rings or men that have rings that big, but the biggest it's ring I've ever for seen. Some people. Yeah. <laughs> quoted was uh Bronco Nagurski wore a 22 and three quarters. Oh my gosh. I can't and, even imagine. Like, how do you, how do you shake that guy's hand? Oh, I wonder like, what <laughs> Andre the Giants would be. Cause oh, you know, yeah. remember the picture of him with like Holding the full size beer. Yep. And they said he drank like 60 beers on a flight one time. I thought it was over a hundred. It might have been. I don't know. Yeah. It, you know, the, the urban legend. The, the transatlantic flight. He drank like 120 something beers or something. Yeah, like it's that. something crazy. But um, I just remember looking at his hands when I was a kid and just like absolute awe. Yeah. Now, here's a cool story. It's a funny story. I went to school with a girl and her dad, um, again, I don't know if this is true, if he was just information that he had been shared. Yeah. But this dude would always stand with his index finger in his pocket in his blue jeans and the other, the thumb and the other three fingers sticking out like just of his pocket. So imagine that index finger buried in the pocket. Everything else is out. Yep. Think nothing of it. Well, one day this fucker pulls his goddamn finger out. It is eight and a half inches long (laughs) and it is as big around as you could imagine. And he starts telling us he has, he has one of the few, like the, only known cases of macro digititis and um the fingernail on this thing i mean it, it was it looked like a silver dollar like holy cow but you know where i'm going with this like <laughs> a very innuendo ridden place <laughs> i'm not even going to say the words but it's like man to be i'm looking at right here now. like uh, yeah look it up um but anyway, I, I always wondered how that would work. Like if you're sitting there That's and you crazy. just keep that finger in the pocket and then you're on a date. Nobody it's knows. Like, it's like a, nobody knows. It's like, it's like pulling like, out a magic wand. Which one you want? Which one you want? We got, we got tricks here, but man, That's there's some crazy. Tri- yeah. That's, that's the only, I remember seeing that finger and remembering that was the first time I'd seen a finger bigger than my great grandfather's. That was the point wow. of that story, but man, his hands were massive. That's crazy. I'm looking you know, at pictures of some of it. It's but is, and a lot of times it's like a elephantitis of the hand or something. Right, right, right. That's His what was I'm, one finger. His was one. That's finger. what's super strange is that it was that it was that. Yeah, well, that's so creepy. I'm looking yeah. at pictures of it right now. It's but dude, weird. I mean, he literally. No, all jokes aside, when he pulled it out, it looked like he had a silicone dildo, like wow. attached to his hand. That's crazy. Well, that's the show, folks. That's a good one. <laughs> I gotta have I'm one like of those lost. Moments every I'm week. lost in these pictures now. So I was like literally <laughs> stunned. I had nothing yeah. to say. That's so wild, dude. But yeah, that's uh, it, it is kind of crazy that you know, at 15 is is a large, large ring. Yes. Um, I still have. I got a clocks and colors ring. Uh, it's like a North Star compass. I kind of wore that when I rode some mm-hmm. bikes and stuff. But anyway, it's uh, it's a 15, and you know I have my my aura ring is a 13 wow. and it's still, it's like when you lay those two on top of each other, it's yeah. still like, man, that's significantly bigger. Yeah. You know, a hundred pounds ago, no doubt. That's so. crazy. I don't even know what mine is. I think I'm like a nine and a half or a 10. Like it is. Yeah. If that maybe. 
<laughs> I can't stop looking at these pictures, dude. <laughs> You're sending me on a rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. All right. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Oh, I have to pick one superpower, and yep. I think it's cheating to pick the dude who has a bunch, right? Or is it a su- one superpower, or am I like we'll his- do superpower, then we'll pick a superhero? Okay, man, I'd still probably do speed. You wouldn't do flight. I mean, you fly fast. That's true. <laughs> I would. I would. I would literally be fast enough to fly. So yeah. I don't know the super like flash speed is pretty pretty wicked. Uh, running on water, you can run up a building. Is fatigue a factor at any point for the flash? I don't think so. Yeah, I think he has. We're gonna if we if we want to go down some nerd rabbit holes here, uh, because he gets his power from the speed force. Right. So I think the only times that that's happened in movies or comics is when like something happened to the speed force. Yeah. But he has like a crazy high metabolism, so he can literally just crush pizzas and beer, and it doesn't do anything. So that's a that's I'm looking at that as a second benefit. In, in Would you scenario. then use your gift in the Olympics at a throttled rate? <laughs> just it's like, like you're ten percent speed, and I'm just you're jogging. In eight, se- you're in an eight seven, and it's like you're walking. <laughs> <laughs> like looking around, breathing through my nose and like slowing yeah. down and catching back up. <laughs> <laughs> or just tie your shoes once the gun goes off and then finish. Oh, dang it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That would be So I- so who would be your hero? See, this is the one where it's it doesn't make any sense because it's like the hero that actually doesn't have any powers. But like So is mine. Batman. Oh. We're like, close. Like mine, mine would be Batman because of just all the rad stuff he has. Yeah, no <laughs> like, kidding. <laughs> See, my my hero is a little bit more like me. He doesn't have shit. He just has a lot of anger, and that'd be the Punisher. Yeah, um, I can. See I that. would like to be that dude because it just. That's good. I mean. Did you um, see that the guy who played him in the in the movie, the original movie, just passed away a couple weeks ago? No way. Yeah, I can't remember the his movie. Name. The movie wasn't given the the justice that it should have been given. Yeah. But I yeah, so too. that guy just passed away literally like two weeks ago. Yeah. He's got a, he's name. got a, he's got a killer butt chin. I remember yes. that. I've, I've always, I've always, always looked out for my butted chin brothers. He always plays like a, like the head of security and a, yeah, a yeah. you know, that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Punisher's a good one. Superpower. Man, I would like to have that, uh, like the, the Dr. X, like, Oh, mental. telepathy. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. That's a good one. Um, read thoughts, put thoughts in people's head kind of thing. Probably more so on the read thoughts than the impart thoughts. But yeah, yeah that would be that would be the one because I think, I mean, you know, I've reasoned this out thinking about Stephen Hawking or Musk or Bill Gates or whatever. Like mm-hmm. these are all frail individuals, but yeah. they've, they've moved the world because of their brain. Yep. You know, um, not saying any of them are good dudes or bad dudes necessarily, but there's some shitty ones in that list. Yeah. Um, a couple of them are probably bad dudes. Yeah. <laughs> definitely at, bad least, dudes. at least one of them for sure is a piece of shit named dudes. Bill Gates. <laughs> but not going to name any names, but he owns Microsoft. <laughs> um, maybe you've heard of him. But anyway, uh, that would probably be it for me. And the reason I like the Punisher, man, was just he was dirty. He was pissed off. Like, yeah. always had that shitty ass five o'clock shadow, uh-huh. you know? Um, and, and I guess that just seemed relatable to me. Like here's a dude that 
seemingly had it all. It was taken from him, and then he just exacts revenge on anybody that fucks with him. So they had the they moved the Daredevil show over to Disney now, and they're like kind of doing a, a bit of a reboot with it from the Netflix one, but they're keeping all the same people, and it's just kind of like a it's not a continuation, I guess, or maybe I think they said maybe it is, but that was where. Uh, John Barenthal's Punisher was first in was that original yep. Daredevil series before his two season uh, show came out. And I had read that they're in talks to bring him back. And I, they don't know if that means just as his character in the Daredevil show series that's coming yeah. out in that season, or if that means they're eventually going to bring him back and do another season of his show. But I have a hard time believing that they'd be able to pull that off because now it's Disney. So yeah. I don't know that his show well, dude, I mean, would ever get made by Disney. Without going too far down on what Disney's willing to do now. That's a great point. That you they, know? they want to give off the appearance of any anyways that they are family yeah. friendly. Yeah. Now I think I wish that it would almost go the other way, like almost like a Saw version or something of a I Punisher. Mean, that show, the Netflix show was about that anyways, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's was, what it should be. Yeah. That was you know. super, super heavy and yeah, very violent. It was a really good show though. What was uh what was your favorite like action figure toys when you were a kid? Because we got a generation gap here. So Yeah. Man, I was so I'm I'm one of the oddballs in my age group because everybody when my friends were little were all Power Rangers people and I did not get into Power Rangers at all. Yeah. Like, I don't know why it wasn't that I like never watched them or anything. I was just like, this is just kind of, I don't get it kind of a thing. It was hokey to me. Yeah. It just yeah. seemed weird. And I, and I never got into it. I'm trying to think. And like I the did. bad dinosaurs, like animation <laughs> or whatever. It yeah. looked like Godzilla was like meeting a 1990s film or something. It was so bad. Honestly, man, I, I was still, I was pretty into like superheroes and Bat- Batman specifically. So I had a bunk bed uh, with no bunk on the bottom in in my room oh you I had it you were rich i had the, you, had, you had that high-rise bed i got <laughs> the high-rise bed and underneath uh against the wall my, my mom had painted the bat symbol on the wall and the whole underneath of my bed became the bat cave like with all the batman toys that i have so of i course. had the plane i had like two or three of the batmobiles did you have the uh, bat wing uh the plane that had that pistol grip on it where you could shoot the actually shoot it? it no i didn't have that one i had like the the actual, like, you know, it was maybe like, I don't know, 12, 18 inches yeah. across um, figurine kind of thing. And I had tons of tons and tons of Batman stuff. Uh, and I had that when I was pretty little. And then I, I had a Star Wars figure kind of phase, I think, for a while, too. That was one of the yeah. emergency room visits I had was I had like a two foot wide Millennium Falcon like model thing. And it yeah. was sitting on a top shelf. And I was vacuuming my room and I hit the bottom of the dresser and the thing literally just goes right off the edge and right on the top of my head. I had like this huge gash in my head and whatever. But I I would probably say Batman would have been the one that I had the most of. Yeah. What about you? What was your I was a G.I. Joe kid. Um, I thought I was going to guess. I would have guessed that. So, man, I I had all out wars in my living room. Like Mm -hmm. the couch was the jungle because it had... um, my parents had this ugly ass inherited couch. Like it was not pretty at all, but it had like uh, this florally green ferny kind of design all over yeah. it. So that became the jungle. And then the carpet was brown and that was like uh, 
God, my fucking house when I was a kid, what the hell brown carpet and flower <laughs> couches that were hand-me-downs. Um, anyway, so the, the, the brown was like mud or swamp or dirt or whatever. Yeah. And I had, I don't know, I had probably 50 or 60 of the figurines and nice. when they would die, the superheroes would come in and they'd get killed. And then what was the, the, <laughs> the bad guy? What was the name? Was it Cobra? Cobra? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Destro was the bad guy. Yep. And then Storm Shadow was my favorite. He was the ninja. He was Cobra, and then he went good guy, then he turned coat, and then yeah. he came back. So, But that was always a cool character was Snake Eyes. He didn't say shit. He Snake just Eyes. killed everyone. Yes. Um, and then Storm Shadow, that was the other one that was his buddy. Um, Mercer, Renegade, and I can't remember the other guys. Tunnel Rat was one of the characters. Yeah. Um they all had names. Maverick, that was one of the guys. Uh, and, and I love the cards because I would keep the the character cards like in a little organizer box because yeah. it would tell, you know, what branch they were in. Or they had a little fake history or whatever. I knew all that stuff. Well, man. that was watched- the, that made me think the other one that was like the thing that people that like my age was the first was all the Pokemon cards. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like that was all my age of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and I never, I mean, I did that because everybody else did it, but I never got into it. Did you ever like, collect pogs? Yes. Did you really? Yes. That and was then one I had thing. the little, what was the little, the little digital digipet? Oh yeah. yeah. Where you'd have yeah. to like f- feed it every day. And it was just the dumbest thing ever, but I, that was yeah. a big deal. I had that one too. I never had a digipet, but I had like, I never got into the pogs. Like a few of my friends were into them. Yeah. So I probably had, I don't know. 10, 20, like enough to carry around like I was doing something. Right. I don't even remember what they were, but. <laughs> you had all the um, expensive sports cards though. Yeah, dude. I, that was my thing. And that was like me and four or five of my friends were were heavy into it. I mean, yeah. we were we were studying Beckett's. We were like, yeah. you know, going to card shows and all that kind of stuff. It's weird. Like it was weird that we talked about that because I, I mean, it was a chunk of my life that I was dedicated to like trading cards. That's cool. And um just to come out of nowhere and be like, holy shit, 25 years ago, this was my life. (laughs) You know, Uh, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, man, I've had so many different facets and changes and my life has had more change than it has constant. I think. Isn't it funny to like, look back at those just weird random periods of time where you remember being totally like consumed by a thing, like, you know what I mean? With the trading cards. And then there was the, Oh man. There's so many, and a lot of it I can actually remember uh, with music where if I hear a song I haven't heard like for years or whatever, but I know like there was a time in my life where I did nothing but listen to that band or that song. I can mm-hmm. like, tra- like I'm transported instantly right back to like, oh, I remember the month that I did nothing but listen to this song kind of a thing. Yep. It's crazy. You know, one, you of, one of my... Uh... One of my earliest memories like that was um, the 311 album Down when they had uh, Down. Yes. So my friend Matt Ross, um, he was an amazing pitcher, and we were in middle school. He he actually passed away in college. Um, that's a that's a sad story all the way around. He's a great guy, but I remember being at the pool, as uh, the city pool, and he had like a Walkman, and he had gotten one of the first sets of the little plug-in speakers. Yeah, you, do you remember those? Yeah, like they were they were they were stereo sounds. So they were like a left-right speaker. Yes, instead of headphones. And dude, he had the tape, and it was like wow 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 wow. Yes, and it's like 
chill on my life as my ego becomes. It's the worst singing reference ever. But I remember that because um, when the day that I found out he passed away, that was the that was the pervasive memory of him. Yeah. Was like being at the pool, being happy, being kids, and that song playing. So it's it's kind of weird, but I'm that way too. Like there's certain songs that I can hear, and man, I can almost taste the room that i was in when i heard yeah, it you know totally. what i mean like the smell the like it's just crazy how the brain works that way i had a i had a friend who had those old speakers and what mm-hmm. he would do was in his backpack put the speakers in the water bottle mesh holders on the sides hell then, yeah and walk around and just blast the music out of his backpack <laughs> on the speakers oh yep. so good man there's a lot of stuff man that you know like i talked about the way my brain works if i don't have a, a like a kickstart i can't remember it but you give me a kickstart and i can remember exact conversations you know like it's weird but um yeah music's probably my biggest that way food would probably be my second that makes sense yeah yeah so well let's wrap it there i think it's a good good place yeah Yeah, man we did a lot of tangents i sang so you You did you got your money's worth on this one today (laughs) absolutely we'll catch you guys next time Thanks, guys.